0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham.
1: Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here in Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School Series XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I am the career director for the Wharton MBA for executives here in sunny Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter and we have dream team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who are taking our calls Right now, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, it is open call Thursday. We want to hear from you. So if you've got a question, if you've got a tip, if you've got advice, if you want to do an on-air mock interview, hey. Today's the day to call 844 Wharton 844 942 7866 So today we welcome Greg Williams here in studio. He is the master negotiator and body language expert, and he has studied and practiced negotiating tactics and strategies for more than 30 years. Greg's the author of several books, including his latest, Negotiating with a Bully, and he's appeared on several media outlets, including Fox Business News, MSNBC, and ABC. And we are excited to have him here live in studio. Welcome, Greg.
0: Thank you, Dawn.
1: And congrats on your new book, Negotiating with a Bully. So, bullying's getting a lot of airtime right now. Um, there's a lot of types of bullying going on in schools, on social media, and in your book, you talk about how it goes on in the workplace, which is, is something we don't hear about as often, but probably has been happening frequently for decades. So what inspired you to, to write this book?
0: My publisher.
1: Your publisher. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, we're going to pay you, so yeah, I'm going to, okay, I got it. I'm going to write well, well, the book. That and
0: that the, in the um, I guess the situation, as you mentioned a moment ago, bullying has been something that has occurred and has been occurring for quite some time. And I'm the type of individual that loves to help other individuals progress in their lives. And thus, this was a topic that was not only timely for me, but a message that I felt was long overdue.
1: So, so this book, Negotiating with a Bully, goes through a variety of scenarios um, that happen in the workplace. I mean, everything from from you know your boss bullying you, sexual harassment, um, you know, kind of runs the gamut. And you talk about three kind of bully types: the the hardcore, the middle core, and the soft core. So you really break this down into into levels. Can you tell us about those?
0: Sure. The hardcore bully is someone that uh, might also be classified as a sociopath and he or she is the type of individual that will do anything and everything just to make sure that he or she stays on top of any environment that he or she happens to be in. The middle core bully is someone that is somewhat testing the waters but has advanced past the entry bully level, uh, as is what I call it, the soft core bully. And that individual is someone that is also very much um, in touch with how Power can be used to gain other things, and in all cases, none of the bullies really do care much about other individuals. The soft core bully is someone that is truly just really putting a toe in the water to see what happens. That individual is the type of person that you can back have back off of you quickly if you but stand up to that particular individual type, and therein lies how you also address a bully 's actions. You can use leverage from time to time to make sure that you are sending the right signals, and even before that don 't make yourself a target for bullying
1: so I want to talk about that on today 's show because i think I think probably most of us, just how you 're describing it have have experienced the soft core bully I mean you know Unfortunately, there are the extremes out there, but I think a lot of us in the workplace experience these these soft core bullies who are doing you know just just right over the edge like like you said dipping your toe in that bullying water and we feel we feel threatened and and so I want to address the different ways that we can handle that but I also want to you know get into the the higher levels of bullying because I know people Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you could tell me if I'm wrong but I mean if you start as a soft core bully I mean are you are you likely to progress if it starts if it's a tactic that starts working for you
0: yes and no okay and what I mean by that is If it is a tactic that's working for you, you will progress to a point where eventually, if nothing or no one really stops you, you'll become a a, a middle core bully. Mm -hmm. And that's what I meant a moment ago when I said, until someone pushes back hard enough to make a bully alter his behavior, that bully is going to continue along that particular path because a bully is interested in maintaining power over others and since that bully knows if i do x i'm going to experience y and y is what i want to experience oh all i have to do is apply x and i can get y i'll continue to do so
1: so greg i'm curious especially with the lower levels of bullying do people know do people realize they're bullying i mean are there some people who are legit out there and and don't recognize how they're making other people feel
0: well, some people are just passive-aggressive, as it were, and one is not bullied until one senses that one has been bullied, and thus, at that particular point in time, it would behoove a person to say, hey, I feel a little uncomfortable, and here's why. I feel bullied by you. So someone that is not a bully, someone that's not even a soft core bully, hearing that may say, oh, I'm sorry, that was not my intent. My intent was just to, and then whatever uh, follows that. And therein lies how not only can you tell someone's intent per the, um, whether or not they really do wish to bully you, but at the same time, you can also get insight as to how you can treat that person in order to get that person to modify their behavior.
1: Got it. So when you call someone out, depending on how they react, you can start to see where they fall in terms of those levels and then you can determine a strategy, which I I definitely want to talk about on the show hey you're listening to career talk Series XM channel 111 we're here with Greg Williams the master negotiator and body language expert and we're talking about his new book negotiating with a bullet with a bullet with a bullet Oof. please you can't negotiate with a bullet I, I suppose maybe that's your next book 844 um, <laughs> Wharton 844 844- Nine four two seven eight six six. 942-7866, if you've got a question, we are live, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we'd love to hear from you, 844-942-7866, and we're going to go to Drew in New York. Drew, welcome to Career Talk, what's on your mind today?
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, all right, so about, i said nine months ago, I was working for an agency that went under in advertising, and I said, you know what, I can either hit this job search hard or can take the clients that I like open up my own LLC and run my own shop. That's what I've been doing. And I've been, I have been—I think I'm doing pretty well. We haven't been profitable, but it's keeping food on the table. Fast forward to now, I'm married, um, and we are thinking about that next phase in our life. So I said, well, you know, I really need to get a corporate marketing job with my 10 years of experience. That's what I should do. But I'm loving this agency thing. My question to you, when it comes to negotiating in the room, in an, uh, an interview in a marketing job, let's say for a Fortune 500 company, and they say, hey, Drew, uh, we see that you run your own business. Why won't you give us 100% of your time? Is there something else you're doing? Are you going to leave? How do I answer those questions?
1: Yeah, that's really insightful, Drew, because if as my... I put my recruiter hat on, that's exactly what I would be looking at. I would be thinking, man, this guy is going to give us half his time. This guy is going to be putting his his best effort into his baby, his company. Um, and, right. you know, maybe even depending on their mindset, this guy's going to be stealing our clients. I mean, right? That and, and let's flip it around. What would you think, Drew? Would you think those things?
2: I worked for a small stint as a recruiter, and I would ask those same exact questions. What I'd want to hear the candidates say is something as, uh, like, listen, it's my side hustle. It's what I do on the weekends and in the evenings. Yes, you'll have 100% of my time, but this is something I'm building because I need more cash every single day. I don't know if that's the right answer.
1: So I like that answer. One thing that's missing for me as an employer is, um, you know, is there a way that, that having the side business could benefit me? So you as the employer, yes, because that's always what I'm thinking about when I'm hiring a candidate. How are I mean, Uh, you talked about your your, yourself and getting money and, and, you know, stuff like that. But and that's great. But I don't think about this as an employer. I don't care about that. I care about how you're going to come on board and make my clients happy and make my company money. So I'm wondering if there's a way to leverage what you're doing as your side hustle that would benefit my company.
2: And I think to that, I think you can add to what I said. Maybe something along the lines of, you know, what I do in my agency work on the side and my side hustle is in content production and staying up the trend with the hottest technologies and trends in producing media across different channels. That allows me to stay more nimble and more focused on what's going to work best in this job.
1: Yeah, I think adding that to your answer adds a lot to it because now you're focused on me, the employer. And here's the thing that, you know, once the job search starts, once you define your target, it's not about you anymore. It's about the employer. Greg, do you want to weigh in here?
0: Well, I definitely do. And uh, Drew, you just heard some very excellent advice uh, that Dr. Graham just cited. One of the things that you always want to do in a negotiation is to first get as much input from the person that you're negotiating with as possible. So as to know how to best position yourself. And in the case uh, that you just cited, I would ask the potential employer, uh, t- tell me more about what it is that you're really seeking before I answer so I can answer more succinctly. In doing that, you'll gather more information. And here's something else about a negotiation the person that is speaking less is the person that is usually controlling the negotiation. And that is because the person is gathering more information, which allows one to position oneself, such as you then can actually cite what is being sought. And in the case uh, that you just uh, mentioned a moment ago, if you knew then that you could, as a result of hearing something from the the potential employer, be of added value to him while running your side business and possibly allay his fears that you might steal clients too, you can then better position yourself.
1: So, so Drew, you if you listen to Sorry. this show enough, you know that we love to do on-air mock interviews and, and test the theory. <laughs> and the reason we do this is because I, I think I would say this hands down, one thing that I see as somebody who hires others is that there's Too many, too many people come to interview who just don't practice, and the more surgical you can be with your responses and your answers, and to Greg's point, the less you can say uh, is going to help you. And and one of the things that we know is that when you have what you feel is a red flag, whether it's a gap in your resume, whether you're a switcher, it doesn't matter – your emotions start to kind of boil up, and you start to just blah 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 blah, um, and and you're trying to defend yourself, and you're trying, and and that is exactly, I think, Greg, what you were saying is you need to you need to you know kind of calm that down. So let's do this on air. Maybe Greg, you can be the interviewer, and you can you can ask Drew, you know, well, I'm concerned about this, and and Drew, you can answer, and we'll we'll critique. We love doing this.
0: Okay. Now now I, Drew, I'm excited. Let's do it. Uh, okay. Now now Drew, tell me exactly why you're seeking employment with us?
2: You know, I followed your company for the past five years of my career. I love what you're doing in tech and marketing. I think that the space is growing, and I think my experience in the past 10 years of my career could be a great benefit to you.
0: Why do you think that?
2: In particular, what you're doing with the launch of 7G Wireless, I think that what I've learned in this consumer segment applies directly to to the millennials that you're trying to reach across Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook.
0: Mm, Interesting. So what's your experience level there?
2: In the beginning parts of my career, I worked on developing social media and communication strategies for Fortune 400 clients, Uh, in particular, translating business KPIs directly to creative and kind of bridging that gap between creative and business. Being that liaison who speaks two languages, I think that's what you need. I think that is what will drive the KPI see quarter after quarter.
0: You said you think that's what we need. Why?
2: Great question. I think <laughs> because tough, I don't Greg. have your books open in front of me. I can't see the back end. I only know what I see in the media. Hopefully, in my first 50 to 90 days of employment with you, I'm learning more about what drives your different communication and marketing strategies and how they affect the different shareholders. Does that answer your question?
0: It does to a degree, and uh, that poses another question for me. Now, you have a side business already, so how do you actually see yourself fitting into our environment and running your side business?
2: You know, what's great about my side business is it envelops my creative side. It allows me to create content for small to medium businesses that have no connection or competition with you. but allows me to just learn what's working, and test it, and it doesn't affect any of my day-to-day corporate jobs. So I take those learnings, and in my mind, I see those learnings being applied to your business, meaning I can come back. If we really want to unpack that at 200 feet, that means I get to sit into meetings and talk about what I'm learning and is seeing is working in the micro, and hopefully we can apply that to the macro.
0: So let me make sure I understand exactly what you've said. You would be willing to give up your side business to actually come and work with us if we did extend an employment opportunity to you, correct?
2: No, that's not correct. My side business is something I do on the side to keep my creative juices flowing and help me be a better member of the marketing team for your organization. Will it affect my day
0: to day work? Absolutely not. Okay, uh, just let me say one quick thing. I used what's called in a negotiation an assumptive question to try to lead you down a particular Whoa. path. You actually did address it by saying, "No, that's not what you really uh, said." But anyway, back to Doctor. Yeah, Graham.
1: no, I, I, he's he's tough, Drew. I mean, you just you. <laughs> yeah. If if you if you can um, survive Greg, you can survive this interview. That's that's my thing. I you know let well let's critique. So, Drew, how do you think you did?
2: Uh, if you can hear me, I'm clapping because, Greg, that was possibly one of the hardest interview questions. and You really listened. You kept going into everything I was saying and kept peeling back the onion. I liked it. I, I think I could have done better. I think I answered distinctly with inside a narrow box but helicoptered up to 5,000 feet. I used the right buzzwords that I think corporate recruiters are looking for and that they want to hear without getting too granular and into the specifics. How do you think I did?
1: Yeah, I, the, I think you did great. I mean, Greg was hard. Greg was tough. He was not going to let you get away with what I call canned answers. So I mean, your your answers yeah. start out that way. Um, and I think good recruiters or good hiring managers are going to want more. So one thing you might just want to do is give them those answers instead of making them work for it. Because my fear is there's too many interviews out, interviewers out there who are not trained like Greg. And what happens is they don't ask you the follow-up questions. So either they leave not knowing something about you or they leave making assumptions. Like if Greg did not ask that last question, he was leaving thinking you're giving up your side business because of the, you know his uh. interpretation. So I think you just got to go in thinking, okay, this interviewer is not going to be as good as Greg. and <laughs> And that you have to give them what they want to hear even when they don't ask. So one thing I thought as you were answering the initial questions about why our company you know it really did greg really forced you to turn it around and make it about their company not about you go in with that go in it's all about them it's all about them so just start off with that because they may not ask you and you might want to even throw in an example brief example or two about how you've done this even if you're not asked you should know here's what i did at my last employer here's what i can do and, and add some numbers to it greg what what um Advice do you have for Drew as we wrap up?
0: Well, I was also going to say, Drew, just remember, no one cares about what it is that you are trying to achieve until they know that you care about their goals. And thus, you always have to position yourself such that you are addressing their needs, their, their, their needs. And also, you know what you want to achieve in the interview. I would sit down and just make a whole list of potential questions that might be posed to me. And know how I'm going to answer those questions as I position myself to reach the goals that I'm seeking.
1: Drew, I think, um, first off, kudos to you for doing this on air. That was awesome. Mm. I think you did a great job. I think Greg is Greg is the exact kind of person that I just, this is kind of my PSA for everybody. You want to practice with a career coach or somebody who's maybe in the industry and does hiring or right. recruiting before you get into the interview. because. You may get a softball interview, but yeah. you might also get Greg. So <laughs> so you want to be prepared. Drew, <laughs> our fingers and toes are crossed for you. Please call us and let us know how it goes. But thank you for being such a great sport yes, on you. Career Talk. Thank you so much. Yep. Good luck, Drew. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert. And I think we have to add master interviewer to that list, <laughs> Greg, because <laughs> that was phenomenal. Thank you. And we're taking our calls all hour long. We're live if it's Thursday noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 844 Wharton 844 844-942-7866. We're talking about bullying, negotiating, interviewing, all of the career topics that you're interested in. So if you have a question or advice, we'd love to hear from you. And we promise if you don't want to do an on-air mock interview or negotiation, we won't make you, but it's fun. 844-942-7866. So let's get back to bullying because I think this is something we don't talk about enough and it's happening in the workplace and for most people it's subtle most people are not dealing with really abusive situations thank goodness mm-hmm. um so we talked about soft core middle core hardcore bullies and you know one way to find out where they fall on that spectrum is to ask is to kind of confront them so you know and you pointed out Greg that to confront them you just point out that hey i'm feeling i'm feeling bullied um you know what if the person doesn't respond in the way you mentioned a few minutes ago what if they They don't respond with, oh my gosh, I'm sorry.
0: Well, at least you then know exactly what you're dealing with. And that's the purpose of confronting them, to find out, to uncover, as it were, exactly what type of individual you're dealing with and dependent upon the response. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm sorry. No, I did not really mean to bully you if you perceived me as doing so. That's one particular response, which means more than likely that person does have some bullying tendencies. Thus, it would behoove you to then observe later to what degree those tendencies range. The other thing that you can do to confront a bully is to literally use leverage. Leverage can be had in the form of other individuals, uh, let's say, that that have also been bullied by this individual. And all of you guys start ganging up and the bully realizes, wait a minute, there's just not one person that I have to worry about or two or three or four. Now it's a much larger sum. And that's one way to also confront the bully.
1: Isn't it isn't it true that, that a bully will kind of look for a certain target and, and you know, so so get again on the spectrum of maybe more of the soft core bullies or the you know that side of it, they're looking for people who they know they can get away with bullying. Oh,
0: definitely so. That's why I said earlier, don't make yourself a target. A bully wants not only a target, a bully wants an easy target because any time someone starts to push back on that bully that bully runs the risk of losing control losing face and if you push a bully sometimes too hard into a corner as it were that bully may adopt a personality type that you had never even considered or seen, and that bully may become extremely irrational. So you definitely have to be cautious as to how you address a bully, not necessarily in public, but in private. Uh, and doing so will also help position yourself to let the bully know, hey, I'm not gonna be a target for long, so watch out, buddy.
1: <laughs> watch out, buddy. That's the theme <laughs> of the show. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining, though, Greg, that there are people who are in positional power maybe or maybe they're a client and, and there's, there's just some kind of reasons or aspects of the relationship where you feel like you have less power to confront a bully. So if your client is bullying you or if your boss is bullying you or somebody who has um, organizational power over this can get tough.
0: It definitely can. And positional power is something that you always have to be aware of. Positional power and what I term situational power. Positional power can tend to last longer than situational power because situations change a lot quicker than positional power. In positional power, you happen to be in a corporation and the boss happens to be someone that's either very tough with being demanding or bullying by being overly demanding, and thus you have to understand, again, what the thought process is of that particular individual. But when it comes to positional power, if you are in an environment and you feel mentally threatened, uh, physically threatened, or whatever be the case, and it's too much to bear, extract yourself from the environment. Now people go, oh, but it's my job. Well, okay, so what's of more value to you, your job or your mental well-being? you make the, ch- the decision. And also, again, go back to leverage. Think about how you can get that person that's bullying you to curtail his actions simply by having other resources that will help you confront that individual.
1: Yeah. I, I, and I hear what you're saying is that you have to really put yourself in a position of you're not stuck. You have options. Um, those options may not be great options but you do have options. So and I I'm going to put myself in the in the the candidate's position for a second when they think okay my boss is a bully I need another job, you know, but I also have to pay the rent and now I'm afraid my boss isn't going to give me a good reference and you know and you just start catastrophizing, you know, snowballing into my life is over because I have no options. I think your advice is you need to step away from that. But but how can you when you're in that emotional position? And, and is there a middle step? So, for example, going to HR, if you have an HR department, a lot of small companies don't, or, or getting going over your boss's head, perhaps. Is that something you'd recommend?
0: Well, depending upon the situation and the circumstances, yes. And remember something else. The mindset that you possess will determine the action that you will take. Never, ever, ever... See yourself as someone that is so helpless that you can't take some form of action because not only have you lost that particular battle, but more than likely, psychologically speaking, you're setting yourself up to be bullied by other individuals also. So if you have to take that bullet, that proverbial bullet that (laughs) that we were speaking of earlier, take the hit and and embolden yourself in doing so, realizing that you will be better. As a result of it, as you move higher in life, don't be a chump, as we used to say when I was a kid growing up.
1: Don't be a chump. You are not stuck. We love to say that on the show. Doesn't matter if it's related to bullying or career, you are not stuck. Find a way, get creative, reach out to a coach, reach out to, you know, depending on the bullying situation, a therapist, reach out Mm. to somebody who can help you. Extract yourself from the emotional piece that probably is making you feel stuck and, and limiting the options your brain's enabling you to think about and get that that, that op- objective opinion. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk Series XM channel 111. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live, taking your calls all hour long, 844 Wharton 844 844-942-7866. We're here with Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert and interviewing phenomenon as i'm adding to your your title and you should go put on your linkedin um, uh, yeah really
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're rebranding you or we're extending your brand um, and we're taking your calls we're talking about bullying in the workplace so if you have a boss or a co-worker or um, a situation that's going on or maybe it's your clients or maybe you're an uh, you know an entrepreneur and you're you're getting bullied by your customers we want to hear from you because Greg's got some great negotiating tactics. Or maybe you just want to negotiate a salary. That that works for us, too. 844-942-7866. But right now, we're going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz? There's a quiz? A 2017 survey of airline passengers commissioned by London Gatwick Airport found that 15% of men... And 6% of women are more likely to do this when mo- watching a movie on a flight. 15% of men and 6% of women are more likely to do this when watching a movie on a flight. If you think you know, we'd love to hear from you. 844 Wharton 844 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM, Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. And we will be right back. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Career Talk on Business
1: Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, SiriusXM, Channel 111. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And if you haven't gotten it yet, Switchers, my new book, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, is available on Amazon.com. If a career change is in your future, you need this book. It's full of fresh perspectives that really a switcher needs to get past the bias in the workplace. So, We're also here with Greg Williams, who is, I'm now calling you the master interviewer, but he's also the master negotiator and body language expert. And he has his new book out, Negotiating with a Bully, and his other book, Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations. And Greg, I'm sure people will want to reach out to you after the show. So where can people reach you?
0: They can reach me via email at greg, G-R-E-G, at the, T-H-E, master, M-A-S-T-E-R, Negotiator, N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com, or via phone at 609-369-2100, and the uh, web address is themasternegotiator.com.
1: Very well branded. Right? Mm-hmm. And we love that you have a phone number. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You're listening to SiriusXM Career Talk, and we're talking all about how to negotiate with a bully. So if you have a situation at work, maybe your boss is bullying you, um, and, and it can be subtle. I mean, maybe it's just micromanaging. Maybe it's stealing your lunch, as we've heard on prior shows, which <laughs> this is crazy. Um, we want to help you. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 942 7866 So we're talking about the different types of bullies and, um, you know, if you should pick your battles and the fact that you need to stand up to a bully to kind of find out where they are. But, um, you know, a lot of people work in a toxic environment and they don't even realize it. Maybe maybe Greg, because I've gotten so used to it. So what are some maybe non-obvious signs that you're either being subtly bullied or it's just a toxic place that's really draining you? And a lot of people blame their work on just getting burned out when it's really the environment. How would you know?
0: Well, again, it's according to how you feel because we're all individuals and while someone may say to the boss, my goodness, why do I always get the grunt work? Uh, why can't you give it to someone else? And the boss says, because you're very good at it. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, I'm good at it. That's, is that really why he's giving it to me? So you start questioning the environment that you're in as to why things are occurring the way that they are. And again, if you don't like what's happening, speak up for yourself. Speak up and start probing by asking more questions. So why won't you give it to Joe over there at, uh, from time to time? He's good also. <laughs> and you can use the nonverbal uh, body language signal of uh, shaking your head up and down uh, as you actually do so to actually convince whomever you're speaking to that yeah, that's right. What I'm saying,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that they yeah they mirror you and they're like yes I'm agreeing with you exactly. So a lot of times um, bosses can get away with things like because I said so or because that's your job or because like these these blanket statements that really shut down the conversation. So even if you you go in with a, a strategy to address and evidence or whatever you're going to do, I mean they they shut these conversations down. That's the policy. That's this. And it's just, how do you get around that, Greg?
0: Well, first of all, my motto is you're always negotiating. And what that means is what you do today influences tomorrow's outcomes. And thus, you have to prepare for what type of responses you might receive as the result of what you say, what is said in return, how you're going to address it. And thus, if the boss tries to shut you down at one particular point in time, you can say something along the lines of dependent upon where you're trying to take the the, uh, negotiation So I'm sensing now is not the best time to talk. Uh, Would later on this afternoon be a good time to talk? Uh, The ball says no, and you go.
1: (laughs) You don't say anything. Yeah, dead silence.
0: Dead silence. And let him say something next. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I was a little aggressive. Or did I say no? I meant blank no. Uh, You (laughs) know. Then (laughs) thank you for keeping (laughs) it PG 13. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's it's gone to another level. And again. That may not be the environment for you, and thus it would behoove you to get out of the environment. I keep saying that because it's the mindset that will trap someone more than anything else in a negotiation. Large corporation negotiating against a smaller entity, same mindset, oh, well, we're so small and they're so big. Person looking for a new career, oh, well, what can I really offer them? No, wrong mindset, and that will be conveyed through your body language also if you adopt that mindset of I'm less than
1: hmm So one of the things you were demonstrating on air is the pause. That's that's hard to demonstrate on radio, but <laughs> the pause is so powerful in a negotiation. And you were talking about this earlier about how the person who says less tends to um, have more power in the situation. And so I agree with you. I think the pause, whether you're in an interview, a job interview, or whether you're in a negotiation, we tend to, as humans, want to fill the space mm-hmm. because of our anxiety. So how do you perfect the pause
0: Practice, practice, practice. Seriously, Uh, you know what you are going to do. Part of your plan is planning for when you're going to pause. You can use it. signal that you're in a reflection mode. You can use it to simply see what the other person will do with that space that's in there with that pause. And you're right. There's something called dead air on radio that no one wants to have. (laughs) So it is difficult to do it. Yeah. I'm Um, anxious to fill that. I'm going to just
1: talk. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Again, it goes back to preparation. And once you prepare for what might occur and how you're going to address it, you can be better prepared to implement the pause at the appropriate places.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, practice the pause. I'm telling you, that is, mm. that is whether it's a work relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, I mean, whether you're, you're negotiating for a car or whatever, it, Like the pause is so powerful. And here's the great part, it's easy. You just have to say nothing. I mean, so you don't even have to be eloquent about it, just pause. You know? Exactly.
0: And you will get something in return most times when you do just pause. The other person is going to think to himself, what's really going on in her mind right now? Mm-hmm. What is she really considering? And like you said, people are uncomfortable with pauses, and thus. The person may just start verbally spitting up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and you might just get what you want. <laughs> there you go. Hey, You're listening to Career Talk <laughs> on Sirius XM Channel 111. We we'll take your calls live all hour. If it's noon Eastern time on Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We're talking about bullying and at work, and you know some of the signs of bullying aren't always as obvious so maybe you're getting dumped on maybe others are taking credit for your work or your boss refuses to get involved in issues between you and other colleagues or maybe you're left out of meetings or work events or you're you're the target of gossip or your work is being sabotaged there's so many subtle and most of them are subtle aspects of bullying in the workplace and today we're talking all about how you can address those so that you can create an environment that's healthy for you and that you actually enjoy going to to the extent that you can enjoy going to work 844 wharton 844 942 and we're here with greg williams the master negotiator and body language expert talking about his new book negotiating with a bully but let's answer the pre-break quiz so, a 2017 survey of airline passengers commissioned by London Gatwick Airport found that 15.15% of men and 6% of women are more likely to do this when watching a movie on a flight. And Dion, we're coming to you.
0: Okay, now I'm confused. Is six is 15% more men and 6% more women. Yes. More than who?
1: No, 15% of men. Oh. And six percent are more likely to do this.
0: Okay, I'm still confused, but I'm going to say. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, talk to the person next to them
1: while watching a movie.
0: Yes, they're, they're talking about the movie. Like, hey, I've seen this movie.
1: Have you seen this movie? Even if they don't know them. Yeah. Do you do that, Dion? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of the fifteen percent. Yeah, okay. you're not one of the fifteen percent. I'm not a statistic. I, I, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna go. I, I don't. I venture a, a guess that you get on an airplane, put your headphones on, and that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that was my guess. And me too. Me too. I'm I'm with you there. So no wrong, Michelle. There it is. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. These percentages seem low for my answer, but I'm gonna guess. Um, having some sort of emotional response to the movie. So you're laughing at the movie or crying, crying at the movie. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> I am. Yes. Yeah, Look like <laughs> how surprised <laughs> she is. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Check you out. Um, yeah. You're more likely to cry when watching a movie on a flight. And there's a lot of research on this that, and here's some of the hypotheses that the, your tear ducts are more sensitive in the air. I don't know if that's true. Um, you're in a dimly lit cabin. You're stressed because of flying. So that makes you more emotional. There's a drop in oxygen. Um, you know, you feel helpless. Like So, so, so please, you're high. Is yeah, you're well, saying. yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> high in the air, Dion. Yes, wait, what, yes I, PG-13. I'm sorry. PG-13. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's PG-13 nowadays, I think. No, um, you right. You're right. <laughs> in most states. The Ratings have changed. They've shifted. Watch some movies from the 70s. It's very different. But um, it's interesting because they actually did a study of the movies. And the top movie that made Passengers Cry was one I haven't seen. But do you know?
0: Titanic. No. No.
1: No. Greg? The Godfather. No. Frozen. (laughs) No. I've, I've never seen it. The Zookeeper's Wife? Has anyone seen that? I not. haven't. Heard of him, no. <laughs> Nobody. Hey, if you're listening and you've seen the zookeeper's wife, can you please call us and tell, tell us if you cried? Made you cry. Yeah, tell us the spoiler about the end. That and if you're listening and you don't want to know the spoiler, then um, don't turn the today. Keep, yeah. keep listening anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. higher percentage of men are willing to cry on a plane than women. Well, yeah, I think because women. Tend to cry anyway. Like I, oh. I think women like so. It's more so. It's it's I like see. men are not going to cry in general. So how, I th- I think that makes sense.
0: How How about the fact that it's in the dark also? But yeah, it's <laughs>
1: in the dark. You're you know you're you're alone. There's a set mm. like you're, you're alone in the world. You're you're. So have you ever cried on a plane, Don? Um yes, but not because of the movie. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay then. But I think that's important because I think on a plane you have a lot of time to think and journal and read and you're disconnected from social media so you really have like time to ponder. Have you ever cried on a plane? I, I have cried on a plane. Yes. I'm getting Dion. No. <laughs> well, I <laughs> never <laughs> cried. Dion? Me right. either. <laughs> no. no. No, Dion. Next time you fly, you have to watch the zookeeper's <laughs> wife, <laughs> and and report back. If that sounds you cry-
0: painful. Yeah. It, uh,
2: the, the, that's the that's a terrible name for a movie.
1: Yeah, I got to watch this movie. Dion's nice. gonna be like, "What is water in my eye? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? happening?" Awesome. Okay. Well, there, there's your your trivia for today. Eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We're talking about bullying in the workplace, and there's a lot of types of bullying. Greg, so you know, there's you talk about all the different types in your book, negotiating with a bully. Um, you know, we've already talked about getting work dumped on you. Um, you know, what about if you're being left out? So you're left out of meetings and, and it's subtle or you're left out of happy hours and people aren't inviting you and you start to notice. But it's really easy when you address it for your coworkers to say, oh, well, we just didn't think of it. Or, oh, you know, you're you're sensitive or you're overreacting or, you know.
0: There's a reason that people do whatever they do to others. And to the degree that you understand that reasoning, you understand how it is that you can fit in or take yourself further away from the environment. Uh, You also have to look at, as I indicated earlier, using people as leverage, because in some cases, especially when it comes to bullying, a bully will play to his audience, as it were. And those that are loyal to the bully become part of uh, that bully's clique, Mm -hmm. and thus, if you're not willing to play the game, you're excluded from the game. And you're wondering, well, why don't you guys invite me out when you go out uh, after work because you're not part of the clique? Uh, and maybe you don't want to be, like I said a moment ago.
1: But if you're not part of the clique, and, um, or, or let's just say it's not happy hour, let's just say it's meetings where important information is being shared or decisions are being made and you're, you're noticing that you're not invited and, and that's an important aspect of being successful in your job, then what?
0: Well, w- once again, why are you being excluded? What characteristics or traits are you actually ex- um, uh, displaying that disallows others from inviting you more into the environment is the question that you have to pose to yourself. What is the attempts that whomever is having these meetings is trying to achieve as a result of excluding you? Why are you being excluded? Have you had some type of confrontation with the individual? You have to raise a host of questions in your own mind in order to come up with some answers that might be the possible reason as to why you're being excluded, and then confront the person that's excluding you Mm -hmm. and the person says oh because you are xyz really how did i get to be that way from your perspective start gathering information remember using the power of questions to dig deeper into a situation and again i go right back to what i've said several times already if the environment is not right for you it's not right for you And that means get yourself out of there. Mm
1: -hmm. So I like one of the things you're saying. I want to kind of pull it out about um, gathering information. Because a lot of times what happens is we we kind of see this going on. And we start getting emotional and defensive. And it builds up and it builds up. And we don't say anything. So by the time we do address it, we flip out. That's me flipping out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 you know, seriously speaking, in today's environment, That actually manifests itself in ways that really we would wish people would say something sooner than later. And thus, it does not behoove one to hold stuff in because all you're doing is causing through stress yourself to become more uh, debilitated uh, as a result of not being able to speak your mind, speak your mind. If you had to pay the consequences of speaking your mind and maintaining your sanity, do so. Do so.
1: So we're listening um, to Greg talk about how to deal with a bully, from tips from his book Negotiating with a Bully, and we're talking all about the different types of subtle bullying, which, you know, again, we know there's extensive aggressive bullying happening in the workplace too. But I think most of us are uh, tend to experience some of the more subtle things like being left out of meetings or being the target of gossip or, you know, our boss dumping work on us and and making us do extra work. So so addressing these things early, Greg, and and um finding out, questioning what is going on is gonna help us pick a strategy. And in your in your book you talk about several um, suggestions but you also talk about situations where the bully was confronted and it was they backfired uh due to to maybe not having a good strategy can you talk to us about that and how to avoid you know, getting retaliated against.
0: Well, one of the things I also talk about um, from my last book, Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations, is the fact that you're always observing what it is that someone does in a particular environment. That way, you're building a base of their actions. If someone says X, they usually say Y. Okay, so when you start gathering all that information, that data, building that dossier, on them as to how they react in certain situations, you can then have a strategy that you will use to implement. Now, if the strategy doesn't work, get yourself out of the environment for the moment. And you can do so by saying something along the lines of, um, well, now may not be the best time to talk. Would you agree? And hear what the person says. And the person says, yes, you're right. It's not a good time to talk. Okay, so let's speak later on. Let's say instead the person says, well, you were the one asked for the meeting. Why are you not prepared? Now, that person has just put you on the defense. Mm -hmm. And truth be known, you should be on the defense at that particular point in time because you did not prepare adequately enough to address the possibility of that situation coming up. So it goes back to preparation again.
1: Can you give us an example? I know you talk about some in your book, but just to give an example of, of maybe um, b- being poorly prepared and it backfiring and how you can, you know. Yes. Come
0: up. Yes. As a matter of fact, this, this occurred uh, recently with uh, an auto insurance uh, policy that was renewed. Um, There was going to be one particular strategy that was going to be addressed as far as how one would – let me back off of that for a moment and instead talk about a rent increase that an associate of mine told me he experienced. Okay, He was going to actually call – the uh, owners of the property, the management of the property, and tell them, well, basically, uh, you need to repair this and you need to repair that, and so on, and so on,
1: so they wanted to increase his rent
0: exactly okay, and I then and,
1: and he was he was upset about that, so he was going to try and get that not to happen a- a-
0: exactly okay, a- and they wanted to increase the rent by two hundred dollars a month, by the way, which was substantial for mm-hmm. him, and thus uh, he was going to use one particular strategy now. It goes back to what you said earlier also about getting the coach ahead of time, because in that case, my associate actually spoke with me and said, how should I address this from a negotiation perspective? So that had he gone down that path. It may have been one that would have been successful, but chances are it wouldn't have been. It would not have been. So I asked him, well, can you tell me a little bit about the property itself as far as how many vacancies there might be, how large might it be, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And he told me all of that. And I said, well, who can tell you exactly what strategy would be best in this particular case? He said, no one. I said, no, 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 no. That's limited thinking. Mm -hmm. Expand your thought process. If you could think of anyone that could give you that information, who might it be? And he said, the super. Super. And I said, okay, that's super. Okay. Uh, No pun intended.
1: (laughs) You're a comedian too, Greg. (laughs) Yeah,
0: really. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So he actually spoke with the super, and the super said, oh, no, you don't want to call him. First of all, he'll never answer the phone, meaning the uh, management company. What you want to do instead is to send an email and just say, you're not financially in a position to incur a rent increase at this particular time. My associate did. The rent increase was granted. Now- you, talk, you asked about how to confront a situation uh, that uh, you're bullied in um, before you even enter into it. In that particular case, that was a situation where had he, my associate, adopted the strategy of calling, he would have met a stone wall. But it was, again, the preparation that allowed him to be successful in the case.
1: So understanding what communication strategy, whether it's email or phone or in person is going to work best and and taking the extra effort. Sometimes it might be extra effort if you have to show up in person or you have to get on the phone. Um, Finding out in this case, you know, if there's a huge vacancy in the apartment, that could be a an advantage for you, and knowing these things. And we say the same thing when, when candidates are interviewing for jobs. I mean, to the extent that you can gather information, like you're talking about, Greg, about how many candidates are being interviewed, you know, where are you following in that in that space? Is it a new position? Is it a, a uh, position that's following somebody who got let go? And, you know, and again, you're not going to be able to necessarily get all of this information, but if you engage your network and you ask the people you're interviewing with, you can get a lot of this information, which sets you up so well for the negotiating salary offer when you get it, because now you know that, okay, I'm, you know, they don't have any other candidates or they have an internal candidate. So, you know, those could be two very different ways to approach the negotiating. And I like that idea about really building your strategy, which again, goes back to not having an emotional blow up, because then you go in with no strategy.
0: Exactly. And as a matter of fact, when you're negotiating, you should always take the emotions out of it. Mm-hmm. It's the emotions that will cause you to become errant in your thinking, as it were. Mm-hmm. So you take the emotions out of it. Someone says, you're a big, fat jerk. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and first of all, that's going to throw them. And they're going to say, Well, did you hear what I said? I said, you're a big, fat jerk. And I said, oh. I, and I said, thank you. And they'll go... You understand what I'm saying? You're a big, fat jerk. Well, I'm trying to lose weight, you know? <laughs> no. So, so you,
1: you, you go with it. I mean, that's that's a radical thinking there, thinking that you just, well, you're this, you're that, because it, a lot of bullies know how to push our buttons. They know what we care about. And, and when someone pushes a button, like, you know, maybe I don't care about the fact that I'm a jerk, but maybe I do care that, hey, I wrote a book and they say your book sucks. Whoa! Like, you know, you call me a jerk. Don't say my book sucks.
0: Well, uh, you're a thousand percent correct because knowing which hot buttons to press in any negotiation will always gain you an advantage in the negotiation. You're right. Uh, what, what's the old joke? Uh, take my money, but don't take... No, take my wife, but don't take my money or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's, that's really, really old. I'm dating myself for sure. But the thing is, you have to know what is of value to someone and once you know what is of value to them in any negotiation you then know how to maneuver them per what it is that you're seeking from the negotiation
1: so how do you find out what's of value to a bully
0: just ask
1: just ask yes. okay well well
0: not only that but then you you can get nonverbal clues by the people that hang around him and the demeanor that they also exhibit you can watch exactly how the bully acts in particular environments. And you get a feeling, a base, a foundation from which you then understand he acts this way in this particular environment. Oh, wait a minute. He's in an environment where there's a bigger bully and now he's subservient. Hmm. Okay. So if I want to gain leverage against this individual, all I need is to get a bigger dog in the fight. That's all.
1: Mm. Okay. So you observe and you watch and then, okay, I want to go back to this. Thank you for calling me a jerk. Um, this is a great strategy. I mean, I, I think this is very well demonstrated. Somebody's trying to engage and push your buttons. If you can come up with a standard response, whether it's thank you or, you know, maybe a question, I like the question, well, you know, can you say more about that? No. Can, you, can you say more about why I'm a jerk? I mean, whatever your strategy, I mean, you could completely de escalate a situation.
0: Oh, in a heartbeat. And again, you have. A- Put this block of uh, block wall up between the two of you—a brick wall, as it were—between the two of you, and uh, the other person is now in thought mode. Like, wait a minute, uh, why is this person getting angry? This person's supposed to be getting angry. Oh gosh, maybe I need to. Well, maybe I don't need. Oh, and then the person becomes confused. Now, here's the point. In that moment of confusion, if you are up against someone that is a true bully, and that bully doesn't know what to do at the moment, you can use that to suggest to the bully, "Well, you know, how may I help you?" And the bully goes, well, uh, you, "You, you don't have to be a jerk anymore."
1: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so, so you throw him off. Yeah, you exactly. You throw him off.
0: That's the point, exactly. Or use that pause while that person is in thought in thought mode to just. Quietly walk
1: away. Leave him there,
0: mumbling, to to himself.
1: Disengage. That might be the easiest strategy ever of dealing with a bully. So, a couple of easy things we talked about today. Pause, it's very powerful. do recognizance, observe, watch, ask questions, get you know, get your information. Don't go in while your emotions are blazing. And when somebody you know tries to push a button, you simply say thank you or hey, can you tell me more about that to throw them off? These are great strategies to use at work and in life. Greg, thank you so much. We've enjoyed having you on the show. Um, we learned a lot. Michelle and Dion, you guys rock. Always fun to have you, and of course, all of our callers and listeners. We're here every week for you. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM channel 111 powered by the business school and we'll see you next time.